If you are all about weddings, want to know how to make a wedding amazing, or just love wedding stories, then this is the podcast for you. My name is April Kelly, and on this show, we chat with couples, and they share stories about how they met, what the proposal was like, how they planned their wedding, and how it went. We also talk with professionals who have been to thousands of weddings, sharing their successes and challenges and amazing advice to help you elevate your own wedding and fill you with so many ideas that you can take and make your own. What is it that will make your wedding special? How can you be helpful for someone else's wedding? Or come here for the funny stories and nightmares that people have lived through during wedding plans. My name is April Kelly, and this is Wedding Amazing. Hi everyone, welcome to the show. This show is extra special because it's all questions from you and having these messages and the interaction from you, I just feel is everything about this podcast and it's been the best part of this whole experience has been getting to know so many of you and brainstorming different things and navigating different situations that you're in, which has run the gamut from things of relationships to scheduling. So thank you so much. I really appreciate it. I cannot even begin. So, but I will begin. (laughs) So let's, what I'm going to do today is from various emails that I've received, I'm finding that there's a very, very common theme. There's something that's similar to the questions that come in because they're big questions and a lot of these are really big deals. So what I did was I took them from some of the messages and I put them in the show here. So I'm keeping everybody's identity secret. I'm not outing anyone in their situations. And I feel that these questions will help others that may be in the same thing or having the same question on their mind. So hopefully I answer it for you. So keep in mind as you're listening to the show, if you have a question, I want you to message me, April Kelly at MakeYourWeddingAmazing.com. So the first thing I want to address is the guest list. This comes up so many times. I think just about nine out of 10 brides, when I have a conversation with them, the guest list comes up. Because there's always that area of, you know, so many different people in different aspects of your life, from work, to the gym, to different sports you may be involved in, to your family, your cousins, your distant family, people that you know from school, people that you knew from high school and college. And suddenly, it comes out to hundreds of people. So what do you do? Who do you cut and what do you do? So the basic thing is, first of all, make a master list. Put a list of those few hundred people on it. Every single person that you want to invite the wedding. The next thing you want to do is figure out who do you think can really come. You know, there may be people that live far away. There's also people that you know, they'll be okay with not coming. You know that they're cool if they don't come. Uh, They live far away. They have a lot of kids. They're really, really busy, whatever. Now you've already narrowed down the list quite a bit. Now start to circle all of the people that you feel are your priority. Who do you feel you really want there? Take a marker and that'll be your color. And then your fiance will take a marker. Now you could do that with your whole family. You could do that with your mother-in-law, your father. Everybody could take a a different color and mark it up. You'll see at the end of that, you'll probably have your guest list. You're going to have your most important people, the most special people. And you'll see by doing that, that suddenly you actually do have a guest list. So let's just say that that guest list is still very long. Now you want to take it by segments. For an example, the people at the gym, the people at work, and you want to take those segments and now you want to prioritize those. 
and you want to say, well, what is the most important? Is it the people I hang out with at my meetings? Is it the people I hang out with at my club or whatever? Everybody's involved in different things. It's hard for me to really say, but that's what you're trying to pinpoint. Now circle that and find out what the priority is with that. And again, you're going to start to come up with an idea of who really should be there. With all that, I'm pretty sure that you're going to come up with a great guest list Invite all of those people. You're going to always have a percentage of people that are unable to come, have other commitments. So you're going to get a percentage of people that cannot come. So still from there, you're going to have less people at the wedding than you invite. Invite the people that you want to be there. Make that narrow down list and then send out your invites. So that's a really big question is who do I invite? I hopefully, hopefully that helps. Okay, so another question that comes up is money. Who pays for what? And those kinds of things. This is really going to be family specific. I don't feel that in today's day and age there really is any tradition. Yes, we all acknowledge that years ago the bride side of the family paid for the reception. The groom side of the family would pay for the rehearsal dinner and things like that. But oh, nowadays it's really different. I'm seeing a lot of brides and grooms that are paying for the whole wedding themselves. So I think this is a question I cannot answer. But for yourselves, I think you have to see what your dream wedding is, see what you're able to afford, see who's able to contribute, who wants to help you out on the wedding, and see what you have there, what your budget is at that point, and then create your wedding from there. I think that's probably just the easiest way to keep it really simple. Um, but to get specific on some things, like the bridal party dresses, the tuxedos, the transportation to and from the wedding, who pays for that? So some things become a courtesy. And then it also becomes something that is your ability if you can't afford it. I see as a tradition for the most part, the ladies and gentlemen in the bridal party are paying for their own rentals and they're paying for their own dresses. I see trends where a bride does have the money where she will pay for all the bridal party dresses and that's the gift. And that's real nice and real helpful. So that's, again, something that's going to depend on you and your ability. Other things that come up is people getting to the wedding, those shuttles that travel from the hotel to the wedding or your bridal party going from your house to the wedding. It is definitely a good idea to have your entire bridal party travel together. And I'll tell you why. Because when you have your bridal party all going and getting in their cars and you're trying to navigate all of these people to go to one place to get pictures, it really does take a long time to who goes to park their car, who has to go get one more thing, who had to go get gas, and then you're trying to take the pictures, and then at the end of the pictures, people have to go back to their cars, and who gets stuck in a conversation, and you're trying to go to the next destination. So 100% that's something to spend the money on is to have a shuttle, a bus, a trolley, something, a limousine, something to transport your bridal party all together, and it really is nice to include your parents in there as well. But your parents may want to take their car because they're going to have things to take home. This is a conversation that you have to have. But that's definitely something that I think is something you want to make sure that you cover. As well as if you have out-of-town guests, you don't really want them to feel like they have to rent a car just to get from the hotel to the wedding reception. So it's a great idea for you to offer to all of your guests a hotel block. And what that means is you would call up a local hotel in the area from where your wedding reception is going to take place. You would ask them if they have a special for people that 
um, have a certain amount of wedding guests staying at their hotel, and they will probably give you a special rate. And then you would let your guests know if they stay at, stay at such and such hotel, they will get this special rate, and then the hotel would agree to provide a shuttle from the hotel to your wedding reception. So that really works out great. Hotels are familiar with that, so if you call any major hotel, they offer it. Most of them do, and that's a great solution. So now what happens if your guests decide they're going to go stay at another hotel, across town, another town, wherever? At that point, you're not responsible for providing them a shuttle because at that point, it's not really reasonable for you to provide a shuttle from every hotel in the area. That hotel may still transport that person, but that's not something that you've set up for that person. It's not something you're really responsible for. So offering your guests the ability of an easy situation of here's a hotel, this hotel will take you from the hotel to the reception, I think is perfect, reasonable, and really wonderful, a wonderful thing for you to do for your guests. So that's something that I would arrange for. Sometimes it is free, and sometimes there is a charge from, for the hotel to do that. And it's also a great thing, too, so people don't have to worry about drinking and driving, and you don't have to worry about the safety of your guests. Everybody's taken care of. Okay, so another thing that comes up a lot is if I invite someone to my shower, do I have to invite them to the wedding? In my opinion, yes, you do. I feel it's only fair that if you're inviting someone to celebrate your wedding in the bachelorette party to the shower to the engagement party, I think it's reasonable for you to also invite that person to the wedding. And I think it's also reasonable for that person to anticipate a wedding invitation from you. So to avoid any difficulty, I would make sure that, you know, that's all in line and all in sync with each other. Now, let's just say that somebody's throwing the shower for you and you don't even know who is on that guest list. And there's people on that guest list. There's really not much you can do about that. And I don't feel at that point you're responsible for inviting that person to the wedding. You should. But let's just say this is your Aunt Anne's distant aunt who lived somewhere 50 years ago and you know probably make it really happy to invite her I think thinking about the overall theme of happiness at your wedding and trying to provide an energy and a vibe for the wedding that every guest that's there wants to be there when you walk in a room of people that are there to have a great time and celebrate you and be at the wedding that's the guest list you want to put together because the difference is when you have a guest list of people that get there and they don't really want to be there and they have other things that they want to do, the whole vibe and energy of your wedding is really going to be different. So it's something to think carefully about. But definitely keep everything in line from the people that you invited and all the different stages of the wedding planning that it's the same people. And the best part of that is by the time the wedding comes around, after you've celebrated the engagement party and the shower and the, all of these, the rehearsal dinner, whatever, you feel really close to each other, and it's a wonderful, wonderful thing, and it's an opportunity to communicate more and become closer to one another and really bond and create this new family blend, this new family root. It's a very beautiful experience when you get to have that. So a question that comes up not very often, but I did have this recently, so I'm going to mention this here, is should I have a cash bar? Now, I think this is a an answer that kind of goes for all different places all over the world. For tri-state area, for an example, cash bar used to be 
the norm. But now you do not see cash bar. Most of the times the alcohol is included in the contract with you and your caterer. And if it's not, you would set that up to have some kind of alcohol uh, at your wedding or not if you're not, not going to have alcohol. But that's usually how that goes. But um, I think it's a good idea to have an open bar for your guests. I think it's kind of cool. It's a wedding. It's something different. You don't want them to really feel like they have to bring money to your wedding. You want them to come to your wedding to celebrate with you. You're throwing the party. So that's my take on that. But you'll go to some places. Maybe the wedding's a little more laid back. Maybe you know you're what you. People are just, they drink so much that you just know you can't afford it, then by all means have the cash bar. I think certain guests know what to expect for certain things. You know, groups of people are used to certain things. Like people around here in New Jersey, they're not used to having a cash bar, so they wouldn't expect a cash bar. But maybe in another town, they're used to having a cash bar and they would expect it. So those are other things to really keep in mind. And that's the trouble when people go on the internet and they search something is they'll Google something and they'll get an answer, but that answer won't apply at all to where they live. They'll get prices on something and something in New York City will cost some completely different than it will in Kentucky. So you really have to research in certain areas and dig a little deeper and things like that. Another thing is the number of bridesmaids and groomsmen. Does that have to be even? And you know, years ago, it used to be where when you picked bridesmaids and groomsmen, you lined them up in height order, where your shortest girl and guy, you know, would be on the ends, and then it would go to the tallest, and, you know, it was very elaborate like that. But nowadays, anything goes. I mean, the pictures are people scattered around or posed or just does not matter how many you have on either side. It doesn't matter if it's even whatsoever. Also, as far as the introductions into the ceremony or into the reception, that doesn't matter either because they don't have to come in pairs. They could come in three at a time. They could come in in a group of five. They could all come in together. Uh, there's no rules here. In your wedding, especially nowadays, there's no cookie cutter. It seems like years ago in the United States, there was rules you had to go by where you know, you had to cut the cake, you had to throw the bouquet in the, in the garter, and those things happened at every wedding. But Things are changing, and brides are really, from all the experiences other brides have had, everybody's so clever and creative and wise to all of the things that are out there because of all the things that we could see. So things are changing so much. So have freedom to decide whatever it is that you want to do, especially at your wedding. Like whatever, but go for whatever is going to make you comfortable first. But as far as the bridesmaids and groomsmen being balanced, eh, I don't worry about that at all. Any good photographer would know how to make a great shot with a scattered group of heights. Not a worry at all. Okay, another thing let's talk about is do I need a rehearsal dinner? I think so. Um, I know you're pretty much just going to go to the altar and you're going to stand there, but it's always nice to have that gathering, A, because of the community of your family. It's just beautiful. But also, it's nice to know, okay, you walk first, you're second, okay, we're going to stand here beforehand. Uh, once we go, where do we sit? And then after the wedding, where do we go? We go out this door, that door. Where will the limo be waiting? Those kinds of things are kind of nice just to add a touch of elegance to everything that's going on, too. So it just seems like it truly is the beautiful ceremony that it's meant to be. And it's honored by everybody knowing everything they need to do. So, yeah. And 
pretty much every every officiant and every temple, church, synagogue is always going to have some kind of rehearsal offering for you too. So I think that's a great idea. Okay, so let's talk about once the guests are in the room, this is a big question comes up a lot, especially because I do a lot of music and I work in a band and table arrangements and seating and how is the best way to really do that? Should I have assigned seating? I do think at a formal wedding you should have assigned seating. I think it's a great idea to take the thinking out for everybody is in as many ways as you can. You want your guests to be comfortable. You want them to feel that they just go, they have a great time, they have great food, they dance, they have an amazing time, and they go home saying that was the most amazing event that they've ever been to. So I would definitely do assigned seats. However, if you're doing a really, really casual event or something that's outdoors or something where the seating itself is casual, like a picnic, bench area or lounge seating something like that then no no way definitely don't do assigned seating the formality that you're creating in your wedding design will dictate to you how if you should or should not um, do assigned seats so with that and knowing that there's a zillion answers to that, I want to put it out to you guys to definitely message me and I'll help you out with that one. Um, to talk about that in a little more elaborate ways, you want to also think about when you are assigning guests, where to put them. Now, the guests that are older, you're going to want to put them in maybe a quieter area so that they don't have to raise their voice to have a conversation. If you have guests that are disabled, you don't want to put them in the interior part of the room where they have to navigate the entire room to get in or out. Um, especially if somebody's in a wheelchair, you're going to want to put them more towards the entrance so it's just easy for them to get in, in and out of the room, again, for their comfort. And the other thing is, too, the people that you know are going to be out on the dance floor partying, that part of your family, you want to put them around the dance floor. And then the guests that you feel are, they're more talkers, they're going to be sitting there and catching up on old times, you're going to want to put them more in the back where they could see everything that's going on so that they can now take in the event from that vantage point of watching everybody have a great time, they're out on the dance floor, and the band is, is playing, and they can you know, still take in that great experience. So I think that seating is kind of important in layering that and the people that are, you know, going to be the dancers. And, you know, you know those people in your family. And then the people that you don't know, you put them in the middle of those two groups. So, and again, if you have any questions at all with the seating, please feel free to give me a message and we can talk about that and I'll ask you some questions and we can get into the nitty gritty of a really good solution for you. Okay, so talking about the dress code, Brian had asked me recently, should I put that on the invitation? And my answer is this. If you are having a wedding that you want to have everyone in black tie, you should tell everyone it's a black tie event. Now, if you feel that you want to let them know that it's formal, putting formal attire required is perfectly acceptable but don't put it in like big bold letters put it in the bottom put it maybe in a different or lighter font because some people actually and even the ladies will be looking on there to see how dressed up do I get so it's not necessarily the difference between a jacket and a tie to a tux it's also for us ladies if I see formal tire I am going to get decked out to the nines and if I see black tie you know well actually I'd get that 
dressed to the nines with the black tie, and then I'd still get really dressed up for formal. And you almost really can never be too overdressed. I guess you can be too overdressed, but listen, guests are going to use their senses. If it's a Saturday afternoon and they're going to a party on the beach, okay, that kind of makes sense for me. But, 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 here's something that you really always want to let people know. If your wedding is outdoors, always let your guests know. It is the worst thing to be outside. It's chilly at night and you didn't know it. And wow, I wish I just bought my sweater or I don't want to wear these beautiful shoes and be walking in the grass. I would have worn something else. So little things like that. You want to kind of give them a heads up if there's something unusual about the attire that you want them to know definitely put it in the invitation. Don't be shy about it. And there's always great ways to make sure that the wording is appropriate so that everybody doesn't feel like they're being told what to do. And again, feel free to message me if you have any questions. Okay, so talking about the food. If you're having a seated dinner, it's really a great idea to give people an option. It's really unlikely that 100 people or more, however many people you're inviting to your wedding, are all going to like the same exact one dish. So giving them an option is really a good idea. Again, going back to that whole comfort theme, you want them to feel happy and cared for, like, you know, you're looking out for them. So two options is great, beef and chicken. Three options is beautiful, fish, chicken, beef. Um, and vegetarian option is really, really smart. Now, what is a vegetarian option? There's two different things, and this is something you have to convey and kind of ask your caterer too because I've run into this a lot. In fact, last weekend, um, a guest asked for vegan and got a plate of cut-up zucchini. I'm not kidding you. It was a plate of zucchini. That's not vegan. Vegan is mixing certain legumes, you know, other things, and creating a protein and creating a proper dish for somebody that's a vegan. A chef should know how to do that. And if you're having a wedding that you are considering formal, I would definitely ask my caterer what they consider a vegan dish and kind of get an eye and making sure that that chef knows what that is. And don't let it overwhelm you. If you can't afford having three, four options, don't sweat it. Have two options. But the only way to make a one-option plate really work is if it's a two-option dish. You know, if they put a little, some shrimp and some beef on the dish then you can get away with having a one-option dinner. Your caterer should really have all of these options for you, but it was just something that came up recently I thought I would share with you. Let's talk about favors. Now, years ago, really the, lots of tradition was that people would give out almonds, candy-covered almonds, and they'd be in a little netted bag and that would be given out at the reception or a little figurine and the bride and groom would stand near the exit and as the guests were leaving they would stand there and there'd be a long line of all the guests lining up to get their almonds and their figurine and then say thank you to the bride and groom the bride and groom would thank you for being there and that's how the weddings would end but over the years it dawned on everybody that it was such a lousy way to end the reception because a nobody wanted to stand on a line for the last hour and neither did the bride and groom they wanted to be partying it up and then the dance floor is not packed because everybody standing on a line just didn't make any sense so favors evolved from being something that you gave to somebody to something that was an experience too sometimes it might be a photo booth that instead of handing somebody a favor you're offering them a photo booth where at the end of the photo booth you're, they're getting a film strip 
a picture of the snapshots that they took, and that's considered a favor. Also, things where you can make a donation in the name of the guests that are attending your wedding. Favors have evolved so much over time. Now, the question of do I need to do a favor becomes up to you. I think it's nice to even do a little something. Even if you made a small donation to some charity in the name of the wedding and put a little note of that in lieu of favors, we have made a donation to such and such, and you can put a reason. I've seen many times where they've done, in lieu of favors, we've made a donation to the American Cancer Society in honor of Aunt Dolores and her courageous fight for you know, of cancer, and then they would put that on the table. So there's a number of different ways where you can navigate favors, but I think it's nice to do at least a little something. It's a nice gesture. So here's a funny question that came up the other day. Uh, Bride and I were talking on online live Skype, and uh, it's actually a Zoom call, Zoom US to be specific. And what it is is some brides I do a one-on-one, and the experience is we can see each other at the same time when we're talking and we could chit chat and talk about the wedding and we can kind of make strategies and I can see where she's at. We can talk about the next plan and navigating different things for her wedding. And when we were talking, she made me laugh because she says, how am I going to go to the bathroom? And ladies, this really is something to think about. If you have a big poofy dress, it's really difficult to take that entire dress and move it out of the way. So (laughs) there was something that we saw online. It was actually this like bag thing where you put it underneath you and then you wrap it around and it kind of gets the the dress out of the way. Uh, You may need the ladies in your bridal party, your mom, your aunt, somebody to help you. And yeah, it actually really is something that you need to think about. Um, It's sometimes extremely difficult. So not to be like, you know, weird on this podcast or anything, but when you get your dress, it's not a bad idea to try to sit in the chair and try to figure out, how are you going to do that? Because there's no way you're going to go all day without having to make a trip to the ladies' room to make that happen. So uh, we had such a funny chat about that uh, in different scenarios. So <laughs> anyway, so with all of that, I want to thank you guys for your questions. It's an amazing experience to get to know you and to chit-chat with you guys and the video experiences are really amazing. I love you guys so much for the moments that you give me. I feel like all of the experiences that I've had over the years are now like worthwhile in a way and the things that I might have paid attention to or the silly things that that stayed in my brain, these details or whatever, I feel useful and I thank you so much for that. So if you have any questions, please feel free to message me anytime. My email address, once again, is aprilkelly at makeyourweddingamazing.com. Please feel free to message me anytime. I am here to help you. I love helping you. Have an amazing day, everyone. Until next time. Thank you for joining us today. And if you enjoy the show, please share it and hit subscribe. If you have any questions, never hesitate to message me. April Kelly at Make Your Wedding Amazing and MakeYourWeddingAmazing.com. Follow us on all social media and let me know if there's any hurdle you need help getting through or if you want to know how to make your wedding amazing, reach out to me anytime. Have an amazing day, everyone. See you next time.
Take 